Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we start a two-part message within our series called Go to Everyone, studying the mission of God. We will be challenged by the portrait of our loving Heavenly Father's pursuit of gathering and redeeming His children from the parable of the prodigal son. Thanks for joining us today as we open up Luke's Gospel to see what sacrificial, compassionate care from our Father looks like. Let us hear the call, the call to go. <clears throat> this past uh, week, just before the rain, I was um, mowing the lawn at my mom's house, and I thought, it's such beautiful weather, because uh, the rain's coming. We were going to go, uh, my son and I quickly cut just a, a real quick load of wood for, for the winter. And I got out there, started cutting, and noticed that the top bar of the chainsaw was a little loose. There's a screw that attaches that handle right to the chassis unit, and that screw began to come loose. So I kind of inspected it, and I thought, you know what? I'm pretty sure I can finish the job without things falling apart. And uh, sure enough, my final cut, as I'm picking the saw up to put it back, the handle comes off. Guess what happened to the screw? Gone. And chainsaws, as you know, are very rattly things, so this could be anywhere. I, I called my son Michael over. I said, come here. I need you to help me look. I lost this set screw that I need to make the machine work. And I'm looking down at the leaves and the sawdust, and I'm thinking there's not a chance. There's not a chance. And my 10-year-old boy looks down. He says, here it is. <laughs> picks it up. I couldn't believe it. In that moment, what was my heart doing? I was rejoicing for the lost screw had been found. (laughs) And that was just a tiny little thing. (coughs) The word of God says that every time a sinner repents of their sins, the angels in heaven rejoice for a lost sinner has been found. Uh, we're we're going to head continuing in this series called Go to Everyone on a two-part series uh, or two, two parts of the next messages this week and next Sunday on the mission of God. Uh, what, what really is God's purpose in calling the church and a people for himself? And how does that impact my life as a Christ follower? Uh, this morning's is going to be called A Portrait of Our Heavenly Father. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15. I, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to please turn there with me. Luke chapter 15. In fact, this is where we're also going to be next week. So there's three stories that show up in the 15th chapter of Luke's Gospel. And every one of them deals with something that's lost. If you pay attention to the headings of your Bible, verses 1 through 7 talk about a lost sheep. And we're going to look at that more in depth next week, as well as the one following it, verses 8 through 10, the parable of the lost coin. However, for this morning, we're going to pay attention to the the third in the trilogy of stories, starting in verse 11. We're going to read through it and uh, very briefly try to make a few observations where I I really just want to settle on two main things. There's quite a bit that we could say from this this story. There's two main things I want to pay attention to. So with that in mind, I'd like to invite you to follow along as we read God's Word and listen to Jesus' story here to uh, to the Pharisees, to the crowd. Luke 15... Page 1624 in the Pew Bibles. Luke 15, starting in verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. 
So he divided up his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and I will go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and had compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, What's going on? Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf. Because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never even gave me a young goat and so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, You're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I hope the, the beauty of the story is not lost on you. For even of our Old and New Testament readings today, you may have heard, as Wendy shared, out of the book of Genesis, Jesus says, I'm going to call a people to myself. So they'll be a blessing to all nations. And God calls Abram. He says, leave your home, leave your country, go to where I will send you. And he forms a covenant, a promise with Abraham and all of his descendants. Because God saw the world is broken and needs to be reached. Early, later in the story, this was in Luke 19, it was the story of Zacchaeus. Do you remember that? Zacchaeus, here's a guy who's really not following after God, kind of cheating people because he's greedy for money. And Jesus shows up and he says, I'm going to come to your house. And Zacchaeus, when he's encountered with the pursuit of Christ, says, I've done wrong. I'm going to pay back fourfold whatever I took. And did you catch Jesus' words at the end of it? He says, even this one is one of Abraham's children. For the Son of Man came to seek 
and save the what? The lost. This is the mission of God, church. To seek and to save those who are lost. Our story today uh, is, is one that has many different ways of preaching. You could preach it from the perspective of the younger, uh, uh, younger son. Uh, you could preach it from the perspective of the older son. But truly, this story is not about either one of the sons. It's a story about the father. And that's what I want to make a few observations of uh, this morning. The first thing I want you to see is that God as our father is both patient and gentle. I hope you caught that at the beginning of the story. Because the father in this story for Jesus is representative of your heavenly father. And therefore, truly, the perspective that all fathers need to look to. And yet, I think on this first example, I find it most difficult. That bratty younger son goes to his dad with what kind of gall to say, give me my share of the inheritance. You you get what he's really saying, this younger son? He's saying, I wish you were dead. Because you know what? If you were dead, I would get what's coming to me. Uh, There's more built into this culture because the oldest son, generally, within Jewish culture, would receive a double portion. So you might already understand that this younger brother feels like he's not going to get much anyways. I better get it now while I can. What gall? Man, if, if my kid ever came to me like that, I'm telling you something. You'd see him in church next Sunday, front row, right there. But did you see the response? The father in this story is both gentle and patient with his son. And in fact, allows this poor decision to unfold. Now, you can't miss this because what I don't want you to think is that God is reckless. All right, God is not reckless in his dealings with us. But I guarantee you this. You have had times in your life where you've said, you know what, God, I think I want to go this direction instead of the way you've called me to go. And what does God do in those moments? He doesn't put you on a leash and choke you back and say, no way, you, you, you shape up. What does God do? Many times, you and I both know, He allows us to go down paths we really shouldn't go down, but He doesn't do it recklessly. The entire time that these types of decisions that come from God happen, they happen under His care. There's a passage out of Second Peter. Peter writes this, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises. Some of you understand slowness. But he's patient with you. Uh, you heard the story from Paul this morning. Uh, what if Jesus is who he says he is? What if Jesus were to return today? Would you be ready? Are you all set, Jesus, to return? Or do you have anything left in your life that kind of doesn't belong there? That you need to set down at the foot of the cross and find forgiveness? I don't need to hold on to this baggage anymore. You know what? i got good news for you this morning. What is God? He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so in this first observation, God as a father is both patient and gentle. The second observation is equally important, which is that the gaze of our father is faithful. Did you see in the story as the son leaves and goes after his poor decisions, he comes to his senses. It's verse 20 that I want to draw your attention to. Uh, the text reads, "When he got up, uh, so he got up and he went to his father. But then look at the next conjunction Jesus gives us. But the perspective changes. If you were watching a movie, you, you would have seen the, 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 the shot with the director calling the, the, the kid to get up out of the pig slop. 
And there he is having rehearsed his whole speech. Do you remember the speech? I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. That's his whole speech. And so here is this young guy, head down, trudging on his way home. But then the camera switches and it looks at the dad. And what is the dad doing? He's not playing cards on his porch. He's not out fishing. Do you know what the dad is doing? Look in verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. The heart of our Heavenly Father is a gaze that is faithful. He is ever watching over you. When you decide to walk away from his will, you haven't left his gaze. He's continuing to watch, peering there in the distance, even as you go ever further. His piercing gaze will not be lost over those who belong to him. For the text says, while the son was a long way off, his father saw him. The only way you see someone from a long distance is if you're doing what? If you're looking for him. And the gaze of our Heavenly Father here is one who is looking for the return of his son. It's really this next observation, number three, that I want to press upon us. Uh, The heart of our Father is gracious. The heart of our Heavenly Father is gracious. Because if I knew from the reports of what my son had been doing with half of the inheritance I had given him, and he was coming home, I'll tell you one thing. I would be tempted to say, you, you, what are they saying? I love Lucy. You got some explaining to do, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. What, what do you have to say for yourself? Right? I, it's, a, it's about time, right? I mean, oh, you come on, resonate with me here, right? This, this is the attitude that we have. I, I knew you'd be coming crawling back to me. Don't think I'm going to let you back in this house. That's, that's how this world would respond. That's how you and I in our own pride and our flesh would respond. But I want you to see something that Jesus records here. As he sees his son, verse 20 says, he was filled with what? Filled with compassion. The heart of our Heavenly Father is gracious. He gives us beyond what we deserve. And he withholds the wrath that we do deserve. He is gracious to us. This word compassion is an important one. Uh, it, it pictures within this story the moment where the son is returning, but the father can see that the son isn't coming home like this. La di da di da. He's coming home. He's coming home like this. This is this is very important right now. That the the graciousness of God is not seen in His children who are like, I got away with it. Boy, am I glad I still got you. That proud, arrogant type of, no, I didn't get caught. And what, nobody, you, you don't know if that's true. It's, it's not this make-believe righteousness that we would bring. But the compassion that comes from God is one that is seen when our hearts are broken. In repentance. That's the key word here. In repentance. The heart of our Father is seen to be gracious. We've got a modern-day hymn writer Hawk Nelson, if you've listened to the radio, has a song called uh, Drops in the Ocean. Listen to these words that this modern hymn writer gives. He says, I want you as you are, not as you ought to be. Won't you lay down your guard and come to me? The shame that grips you is crippling. And it breaks my heart to see you suffering. Because I'm for you. I'm not against you. 
If you want to know how far my love can go and just how deep and how wide, if you want to see how much you mean to me, look at my hands and look at my side. If you could count the times, I'd say you're forgiven. It's more than the drops in the ocean. The love that God has for you is so vast beyond the sins that you and I can accumulate. It's like a drop in the ocean. What I want to make sure is that we recognize that the scope of this story sees the condition upon God's gracious love as being the brokenness of the heart of the Son. He's returning now as one repenting from his sins. A couple others to look at. Number four, our Father's greeting is shameless love. Verse 20 says, after he had compassion, what does he do? He runs to his Son. Do you see that? Now, characteristically in this culture, that's something that's not common. All right, uh, the father of a household would not often get up and run. It's, it's a bit undignified to, to see one of these old guys running down the road. I didn't stop him here. It reminds me of when the, uh, the ice cream truck is coming around my house. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about my, my boy here, right? So I remember seeing him one time dashing in the house, up the stairs, getting his money. What, what's going on? I can't go right out the door. Shameless. Why? Because he's excited about what's in front of him. He's excited about what he's going to see. That's this word right here. The, the father gets up and he runs to his son. Shameless love is the greeting of our Heavenly Father when we return to him in repentance. Number five, our father uh, gives mercy. So look what he does after he runs to him. He wraps his arms around him and he kisses him. How many times in the movies have you seen where there's been a, a, a lover spat and the one is returning and, and as he's expecting an embrace, what does is, what is the uh, gal do? Bang! She slaps him, right? You would expect that's what would happen here, but it's not. What, what the kid deserved, he doesn't get because God is rich in mercy and he gives mercy here to his son as well. Number six, the love of our father is greater than our sins. This is one of my favorite parts. So the son starts rehearsing his speech. Look in verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you in heaven. Uh, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. <clears throat> now you may recall, if you jump back up again to verse 19, that's not the end of the speech. Do you see this? Verse 19, he's actually got more to say. Remember what it is? Make me like one of your hired men. But you know what happens? The dad doesn't even let him continue. The dad cuts him off. The, the, the kid is still trying to lay down all of his grief, but the, but the father says, no, uh, we, we, need to, we need to go get a robe. We need to go get a ring. What I want you to see in this is that the love of, of our father, it's greater than our sins. As you return to God, as you come to him in repentance, my hope is that you will see his love for you extends beyond anything that you would do, anything that you could say. Number seven, uh, the reward of our father's love is generous. Uh, verse 23 and 24, you'll see, he says, bring the what? The fatted calf. Now, I, you, you might miss this, all right? Uh, calves don't get fat on their own. you got to fatten them up. And you do so within this culture for something you're planning in advance. All right, don't let me lose you on this one, all right? The father had some celebration on the calendar for which the calf 
was being fattened. But guess what? When the sun comes home, and I don't care what we were using that for, we are using it today. My, you guys know you got that bottle of bubbly in the house, right? And we're saving it for a special occasion. But look here, this is worthy. This is the event. He's, God's love for you, and this is my point, God's love for you and his reward is generous. It's beyond what we would deserve. And it includes, you've got to catch this, it includes a sacrificial type of love on the part of the Father. He was saving it for something, but he's using it today. Additionally, he brings him a ring for his finger, sandals on his feet, and they have a celebration because the reward of our Father's love is generous. Number eight is this, the hope of our Father is to gather us together. This is a second one that I really want you to pay attention to. And it really jumped out at me as I was studying this passage, something I've never seen before. But it happens as the father encounters the obstinance of the older boy. Verse 28, the older son became angry and refused to go in. So what did the father do? When the father saw the younger boy from a distance, he ran to him. When the father hears about the older son stuck out in the field, what does the father do? He'll get tired eventually. He'll come in. He'll smell the chicken or the, well, the calf in this case. Yeah, That's not what he does. Once again, the father leaves and he goes out to his boy. And he pleads with him. Do you see that word here? I don't want you to lose that. He pleads with his son. Come. you got to come. You aren't going to believe what happened. And this older son, he's just hard-hearted. He wants nothing to do with it. Yet is the hope of our Father to gather together, to bring the family together. It's the most important thing that he has in mind. Lastly is this, our Father responds to repentance with gladness. This comes at the very end of the story in verse 32. As the son has made his, his case as to why you should abandon that younger brother of mine, right? He, the Father says in verse 32, we had to celebrate and be glad because that's God's response. All right, let me, let me wrap this up for you. Uh, the mission of God is to seek and save the lost. And you've got these two boys that belong to one family. Both of them are lost. And the Heavenly Father, in His mission, in His calling for the purpose of the church on earth, is the same as it is in this story. To go out and seek and save the lost because that's the heart of the Father. There's three conclusions that I have for you on this. The first is this. A father remains consistent. Of the three characters in our story, the, the younger son starts out with a bunch of pride, right? And ends up in the pig slop. The older brother is very dutiful, but he ends up jaded at the end. There's, there's contrasting changes that happen with both of these boys, and yet with the father, there's no change. I don't know if you caught that in the story. He is consistent. He is level. He's constant. And God's love for you is constant. You may be like the younger brother, making bad decisions. You may be like the older brother and having a hard, stony heart. But God's love remains consistent. His nature remains constant and unchanging. That's the first thing I want you to see. Second, a father is motivated by compassion, which is what we saw in verse 20. The gaze of the father looking and then running because he's filled with compassion. Lastly is this, a father has sacrificial care for his family. You might underline that word sacrificial. This is one of the hardest things to do as a father. 
because we're always right. Right? Wives, isn't that true? We're convinced we are. So whether or not we really are, we're convinced we are. And there are times where whether it is we not get our way because this is what we think should happen. Or the planning that we had made. The fattened calf was saved for this. The true measure of a father is to sacrifice. Did you hear me? The true measure of a father in pattern after our Heavenly Father is to sacrifice for his family. You guys know about seahorses? Do do, do you know which of the two genders uh, actually gives birth to baby seahorses? It's the male. I don't know if you knew that. that, uh, The the female seahorse will place her fertilized eggs in the pouch of the father, and then he's the one that has to carry them all around, many times going without food with weeks and days upon end, weakened in his care, his sacrifice for his children. How about penguins? You guys know about penguins? Did you ever see that? BBC or whatever on the uh, Discovery Channel, um, the, the, the gal, she'll lay the egg, right? And then the dad takes it, transfers it onto their little black feet, and he keeps it off the snow so the egg doesn't freeze, and he sits there, covered so his own body heat keeps warm the child, or the, the egg, sometimes for weeks on end. I read uh, this, up to 75 days, and the penguin father will lose half his body weight. Look, the animal kingdom, in many ways, is representing this exact truth where fathers give sacrificially. But I want to tell you about one other father who had such a love for his family that he gave his most precious possession, which is his only begotten son. Your heavenly father, in order to chase you down, in his gaze and looking after you, he gave his one and only son, That he would die a torturous, murderous death. The one that you and I deserve. And he did that in your place. The heart of a father is sacrificial care for his family. And so I want to leave you today with this application. Of those three characteristics, which one means the most to you? When, When you think about what God has done for you, is it his consistent nature that means the most to you? Is it his compassion that reaches you even when you're lost? Or is it his sacrificial care? And then, just because it's Father's Day as well, I wonder which of those three you would choose for your own father. Uh, my, my dad was very consistent in how he lived. He was, he was kind of a strict guy, but he was full of joy. Um, my dad wasn't always the best at number two. <laughs> uh, compassion wasn't always his strong suit. But number three mattered a lot as well. Where my dad would give... And always think of us as his kids. Let's bow for a word of prayer as we thank God for our fathers today.